This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 90 of the Wisdom by Wessa show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Mike Donnell. I'm Casey Wilbanks Coletti. And this is Sophia Aguila. Welcome to Wisdom by Wessa on the Horse Radio Network. This podcast is brought to you by the Western and English Sales Association, WESA, which provides the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives of the equestrian industry. In this podcast, we feature exclusive interviews with noteworthy Western and English personalities, retailers, and exhibitors who you've always wanted to talk to. Don't miss out on all the news for manufacturers and retailers in the equine industry. We are now less than two months away from the August WESA trade show. Sophia is here, and I'm hoping she can share some news with us. Yes, the space assignment is now complete, and what that means is that we went through all of the contracts and everyone's wishes and their seniority points to create the floor plan and give each brand a home at the upcoming Westside Trade Show. So all exhibitors have now received an email and a letter with their space assignment and the confirmation that they will be listed for the trade show. And that can also help the buyers prepare for the show, right? Yes. So the floor plans and the product lines are listed on westsidetrader.com. So buyers can start to get an overview of who's going to be there and then also get their badges if they see brands that they'd like to meet. The exhibitors are also listed on the Westside Trade Show app and the directory, which we'll mail soon. And in reference to the app, exhibitors can still submit an ad. Is that correct? Yes. Some advertising opportunities, um, such as the golf sponsorship and thereby, for example, WESA app ad, are still available. Another option is the Runway Cafe fashion event that we hold daily. And those deadlines aren't coming up until August. So there's still some time. In so many ways, WESA's members are tied to the horse industry. They make and sell a huge variety of products and services for horses and horse owners. But many of them, and perhaps their customers, may not realize the horse industry is a $122 billion industry and Western horses make up about 80% of the domestic horse population. Our guest today, Dave Duquette, is the founder and president of Western Justice, an organization devoted to protecting the interests of those who raise, care for, and ride horses for pleasure, competition, work, or business. We invited him on the show to give us a better perspective on what his organization does and how you can help. Being a business owner is a big responsibility, but you don't need to figure it all out on your own. The lead line teaches horse business owners the best productivity skills, marketing strategies, money tips, and more through interviews with the smartest and most innovative entrepreneurs in the equine industry. Subscribe to the lead line podcast today and begin taking steps towards building your dream business. Hey, Dave Duquette. Thank you very much for joining us on the Wisdom by Wessa show to tell us all about Western justice. You bet. Thanks for having me on, Mike. By the way, for all of our listeners, I would advise you if you find it, uh, there was a great interview with Dave on the Cowboy Channel. I listened to it after I talked to you, Dave, to kind of puts the whole thing in perspective. It's important that I think people know 
uh, about Western justice. I think it's important people know that WESA is a supporter of Western justice. So talk a bit about it from, say, the 10,000-foot level of what Western justice is, and then we'll drill down to some of the projects that you're uh, currently involved with. Sure. Uh, well, the 10,000-foot level of Western justice is basically we wouldn't be needed if it, if it, if we actually had organizations out there that were doing what they needed to do to protect our industry. And right now, uh, with the, with the way the dynamics are in DC and the organizations that are supposed to be protecting the horse industry, uh, we are the lowest on the totem pole. They don't look at us and they don't look at the Western lifestyle and the Western way of life as anything important there. Uh, and, and the people that are actually running all that are very much, uh, towards the thoroughbred world and they're not as worried about the Western world. And the reality is in the domestic horse world, the Western horse makes up what I consider the Western horse makes up about 75% of the domestic horses. So we are by far the largest, most well-heeled group within the horse world. And that's uh, one of the reasons we're doing this, because we have a lot of issues that we deal with that uh, nobody else is dealing with. And we're trying to make a, a big difference and an impact. How long has Western Justice been around? Well, it, in the current form that it's in, it's, uh, it's been, we, we started it in June of 2020. So um, I was working doing the same kind of work through protect the harvest because I ran protect the harvest for seven years. So I was doing all this kind of stuff as part of our charter would protect the harvest. So seven years prior, I was doing it from that venue. And now when I left there in 2000, February, 2020, I started getting a lot of phone calls from our bigger donors who knew a lot more about what what we do and what we stop in D.C. and the kind of things that we do. So when I left Protect the Harvest, those people started calling me, asking me, well, who's going to protect us? And I said, well, nobody is. So they enticed me into starting Western Justice and some very well-known horse people like uh, Carol Ward from Rancho. She owns Rancho Marietta Equestrian Center out in California. She's a cutter and been in it her whole life, but she was one of the, she's actually the founding donor for Western justice and gave us the seed money to get it going. So that's how it all got kind of rolling. Okay. So that's how it all got kind of rolling. Now you've, you've really been talking a bit about what's the issue and the climate in Washington, uh, on a national footprint. But I also know that there are some local issues that you have been paying a great deal of attention to because if, if I understand it rightly, you think they have national impact. It's kind of comical because Sean Gleason from PBR, we were having our coalition uh, meeting on Tuesday, and he he brought this up that that he's going to talk about it with a meeting tomorrow that we have with one of the councilmen in L.A. So in L.A., there the city of L.A. There's one councilman there that is trying to ban rodeo and rodeo-like events, and the way it's worded, it will ban a standalone barrel racing. It'll ban all kinds of things, fixed spurs, uh, which the L.A. Equestrian Center is in the city proper of L.A. And it is, uh, you know, mostly jumpers and, and eventers and people like that there, the majority of them. And, you know, rain, there's some rainers there, but 
it'll ban all of that stuff within the city of LA and not just on a competition level. It'll ban it to where you can't even go ride in the Santa Monica mountains without our, and, and be caught if you're caught wearing spurs, it's a, it's a, you know, a fine, but uh, it, it, it'll have grave consequences for rodeo all across the nation. If the second largest city in the United States, because we've had, you know, the most common thing people say is, well, just let LA go. Who cares? Well, you don't let the second largest city in the United States ban some one of our events or uh, multiple events and not put up a fight with it. So we have to fight this. Uh, we fought the same thing off in New York for the last four years. Uh, LA has been about four years. We've been doing the same thing. So it, it got a little more traction this time. And one, the one good thing that Sean, like Sean Gleason was talking about that they've done, the city councilman has done, is he's actually organized the whole rodeo community and a lot of the other Western horse disciplines into our ability to work together. Because most of these organizations have never worked together because they are competing organizations. And right now we have the Western Sports Industry Coalition that is growing and growing and growing. And it's over 60 major organizations now that are part of this coalition. So I, I, you know, I, I encourage anybody to go look at that. And even even the other disciplines and even, frankly, the thoroughbred world has come to me and, and which has never happened. Uh, they've come to me and said, hey, we want to be a part of this somehow because we see how much great work you guys are getting done. So it's it's really resonating all across the country with this group that's come together in the coalition. Well, I think that's great. Now, as I had mentioned to you, I mean, I'm not a, I do not own or ride horses, but I've been involved in the rodeo world along with Casey for a long time. But Casey has always been a, a competitor. She's currently a competitor. As you hear this, Casey, from the perspective of someone who owns and trains and competes on horses, what are your thoughts? Well, first, thank you. Um, uh, as you mentioned, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, the people that are supposed to be fighting for the industry, the first thing I see the disconnect is just not really having a knowledge base, knowing exactly what they would need to do or why they should be protecting it in the first place anyway. So uh, very important on your behalf. Um, so as I mentioned, thank you. But I want to know, what can we do to help? And when I say we, I mean, even me as a competitor or um, Mike as somebody that's worked within the industry or brands that work within the industry, I think that's a really good place to go is what can we all do to help? Well, you know, what's what's really cool, our, our biggest thing we need is we're membership based because what always happens in an advocacy group similar to this is there's there's generally one big donor or person, the the benefactor, whatever that that puts it all together, and then generationally those things all go away. You see it. I see it in politics a lot with donating to candidates and certain parties and things like that. The the next generation doesn't have the same priorities as a generation prior. Mm-hmm. So sure. things go come in and out and go away on a cycle on a cyclic kind of a a situation. So. What we need, what I did with Western Justice, I set it up as a membership-based organization. So it's okay. we're totally based on memberships and not just one single donor or sure. one major donor. So that's that's our biggest thing. We need members. We need people. It's $50 a year. 
you know, for the, for, and we, we had a lot of people that wanted to give more money and we, so we made several different levels where the highest one is a thousand dollars a year. Uh, we have other donors that give a lot more money than that. And it's, but we are one thing that I have to, you know, let everybody know we are setting up our 501 C three as our educational. So that, that will have a, a tax deductible donation to it. But right now we are, because we do so much political work, we're 501 C four, which means we are not, we're tax exempt, but we're not, it's not a tax deduction when you send money to us. It's a, it's a, it's a business write off or something like that, but it's not a tax deduction. And then we have to, you know, we have to do that because of the amount of political work we do. Uh Yeah. And for everybody listening, the website is westernjustice.info. Um, I do see the link right at the top, annual memberships. Um, I'm actually on a page right now that is overview of animal welfare facts, um, mm-hmm. lots of educational information. Um, where my mind goes, I guess, as a rodeo competitor, and I'm just trying to like, not mine specifically, but trying to get in the minds of everybody else, think like, oh, we've rodeoed for years. You know, oh, no, it's never going to stop. Well, you you know, you gave the the example of California this is real. I mean, this is real. It, it's very real. It's very real. And people have no idea. I mean, there was the, the PACT Act that President Trump signed and his daughter-in-law put, helped ram through. Uh-huh. I was, uh, you know, in the middle of trying to get that stopped. And it's a felony animal cruelty law. Well, who doesn't want to have, you know, if you're being cruel to animals, who isn't for, you know, sure. getting punished for it? But one of the provisions they had in there that we got stripped out and nobody knew about it because I couldn't go talk about it out in the public, but we got it stripped out was you couldn't weigh more than 10% of the animal's body weight you were riding. So at 230 pounds, I'd be riding a 2,300 pound draft horse all the time. Oh yeah. So, so that is, you know, those are the kind of things that go through in DC on a constant basis. And, you know, I sat in a, a meeting with, USDA APHIS who makes a, who is over the horse protection act and the horse protection act, no matter what these people try to say is it, it covers every domestic horse in the United States. It's supposedly only supposed to cover gated horses, Tennessee walking and the soaring issue, but uh-huh. it is, it is covers every states in there four different times that it covers every domestic horse. Well, uh-huh. In in that, I mean, these guys. Uh, I was sitting in a meeting with the the uh, top vet for USDA APHIS. He ran APHIS, the uh, Animal Plant Health Inspection Service, which is the Horse Protection Act is, is under. And he sat there and said, "I could see where riding a horse could be considered an act of soaring." So, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Pump the brakes! You can't." You know, you can't mm. say that because that's wow. I mean, who's going to be the arbiter of that. You know, who's going to be the one to say you can't go out and gather cows for six sure. or seven hours, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Sure. And what kind of rules. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that a Tennessee walking horse show because of these rules that they put on them mm-hmm. and soaring, by the way, doesn't happen anymore. It's, it's been illegal for 30 years. But yeah. the activist groups have been using that against us. But sure. the, at a Tennessee walking horse show. You might spend six hours in line to get your horse inspected before you can show. And you might, it, it might take you six hours by a USDA veterinarian. Wow. So 
That is, can you imagine what that would do to a rodeo or a oh, horse show, a cutting horse show or anything You couldn't else? do it. it you, you couldn't. Exactly. There's no way. That's why this, yeah. That's why this is so, this stuff is so important to be able to stop, block, and, and really have somebody dialed in to stop all that stuff before it even gets traction. And that's one of the things we've been very lucky and very good at. I mean, not an easy job on your behalf no. at all. And uh, I, I mean, to me, the word that pops up is education. It, and this has been for years with animal welfare, especially. It, it all comes down to people being uneducated about the sport, about the livestock, about you know their their preconceived notions of what they believe something to be, as opposed to what it actually is. And and getting all these people educated is what you're doing. Not an easy task. Yeah. Um, and, I, and it's, it's real, it's really hard to get people to, to understand that the threat is real. Yeah. It's not, you know, the threat against our industries is real and it, and it's very incremental and you have to, you have to dive in and study this stuff. And that's what we don't expect other people to do it. That's what we're for. Sure. But we do need everybody to support us to be able to do that. To do it. And, yeah. And, you know, that's the other, one of the great things I wanted to talk about was the, over the 16 years I've been doing this stuff, nobody on a, on a uh, business level, even within our industry, wanted to put their name out there and be a part of it. And that's what we were, uh, Mike and I were talking about last week when I talked to him was that the, I'm not going to say I, I knocked the dam down on that, but we sure poked a hole in the dike because now we're up to like 12 corporate partners for Western justice, which is, right. and we, we says one of them, you know, the, the, yeah. you guys were the second one that came on and that was, you know, a great, you know, it started off with Prefert and then you guys came on and now several other brands have stuck their name on this, which is something I've worked at for years to try to get people to do. Sure. So, yeah. And I'm on the website right now. There's some really great videos. Anybody listening that would like to listen in, um, James Pickens Jr. There's a video with him and Sean Gleason that you've mentioned a few times, John Growney. Um, I, I'd like to watch these videos when we, when we get off of here, but I guess me living in this industry, my whole life, obviously I love it. There's no other way for me and it's the best way there is in my opinion but when i think about my horse that i run barrels on i mean i've been through um a lot for the last year trying to fix an injury she has that nobody could figure out what was wrong and i mean people make fun of me that i treat this animal the way i do like a family member and um and that she loves what she does i've done it because she loves what they do and those are the things that's so hard to educate people about rodeo specifically, that um, these animals just, they crave what they do. They love what they do. Right. Um, right. It's, a, it's a passion for them too. Um, so the education part is just so vast. And uh, this is just simply amazing for a lack of better words. Right. And, you know, uh, a, a testament also to our validity on with Western Justice and what we're doing is if you go on the web, if you do go on the website and you look at the advisory board, our advisory board is, it's under the about tab and it, our advisory board is, is a who's who. Sure. And, yeah. and it's a, some very great people within our industry that are all yes. part of this and are supporting it. So, yeah, um, I, I agree yeah. with that. And just to echo that 
for those listening, Annie Bianco, Zane Davis, which his dad, Sean Davis, was, you know, uh, head of the NFR for so many years. Um, but so many people, uh, PRCA representatives. Um, yeah, you're you're right. I won't Sean, name them all. Sean but. Gleason, PBR CEO, all of the, you know, all of those, all of these folks that are Ty Yost from, you know, team, the team roping industry. I mean, he is Mr. Team Roper right now. I mean, it, all things team roping run through Tayos. So, <laughs> you know, and, and then Dustin Noblet, who's got, you know, the pro equine brands and all that. It's, it's just been a great, so far this year. I mean, we've gotten more new members in the first quarter of this year than in the first right. half of this year than we did all last year. So it's a, it's, it's growing. But my biggest thing is if I go to DC and I say, I have, you know, 300,000 members, sure. they are going to pay attention. Exactly. And it's not, not so much the money. It's the, that I need, it's the, I mean, we need money to do what we do, but we, if the more member, the membership number is just as important, if not more important than the money, I need the, the, the numbers and that that's, what's going to make the biggest statement. When I go to DC, I have a platform that we're putting out that, uh, we just got funded on and it's going to be a change.org uh gofundme survey chimp kind of a platform with all three platforms we're going to have a platform that has a crowdfunding for for you know disasters or whatever events whether it's fires or or flooding or whatever where people need help we'll have that platform within our industries and then also uh, a petition deal and that builds a that'll help us build a database of people who are like-minded so we can go to dc and have accurate polling on things accurate you know because the, the animal rights groups when they do a poll on something that affects the horse industry they'll you go look at the polling and find out where they got their data because you can search it and get them to tell you where they got their data well on a major horse issue they've they've uh pulled 1062 in downtown people in downtown chicago you know, and that's where they get their numbers that they go show Congress that they, you know, 85% of Americans don't want this or 85% of Americans agree with us. Well, that's what they do. We want to have real polling from our world and rural America and, and petitions and all of that kind of stuff. So we're, we just started in on that. It's going to take about four months to put all that together and it's going to be a really, really neat deal. Something you had mentioned, I think, was in the Cowboy Channel uh, interview where you were talking about the ripple effect of people who support you. And I think you uh, picked high school rodeo as an example, or maybe Little Britches, where there may be one young man or young woman competing, but by the time you factor in their mothers and their fathers and their sisters and their relatives, the ripple effect in terms of people who are going to be impacted uh, as these problems arise is tremendous. And I'm not sure everybody right. sees it that way. Well, and you know, they, they did a study on that and I don't remember who exactly it was that, uh, that did it, but I saw the study and it, it showed that on average, there's 15 people affected by one person involved so there's 15 other people whether it's family members the truck you know where they bought their truck where they get it made you know maintenance where they bought their trailer all the different things that go down the line there's 15 different people affected by that one person so that goes down the road we're trying to 
bring everybody that's affected in our industry together. And that's, that's how we're going to win. And, and like I said earlier, there's no, you, you take the demographic of, of the cutters, the rainers, the cow horse, the, the rodeo world, you put ranch and we, you know, we do a lot of work for ranchers in the, especially in the West where we deal with public lands. I do a lot of work there and you put all those people together and there's no bigger, more financially well-heeled demographic in the United States. I mean, we're, we could be, if, if we push this thing and everybody jumped on board, we could be the biggest, strongest lobby in the United States that could stop any of this stuff that's going on. And we could make we could go proactive and make our own rules and our own our our own things to to benefit our industry through legislation and things to to make sure that we don't run into these problems. Okay. The other thing I was going to mention because I saw it on the website and we talked about it a little bit. Uh, another concern that you are addressing is the Safe Act. Maybe you mm-hmm. want to explain that a bit and explain how that. The impact of that extends beyond the Western industry. Right. The, the, the safe fact is, you know, when they shut down the slaughter plants back in 2007, um, they, they have basically been trying to push the safe act almost ever since. And the safe fact, what that does is it stops all horses, slaughter bound horses from going across the borders. Now in a perfect world, I'd love to see there's no slaughter. You know, that, that would be perfect. The problem that this would, the people that this will exacerbate the most if they are hurt the most and exacerbate their situation is the tribes. The tribes actually have, and a lot of people have no idea that this, this statistic is there. The tribes have a bigger problem with feral horses than even the BLM does. And the BLM's got a huge problem. So they've got 80,000 horses out, you know, BLM does 80,000 out where they're there is only supposed to be a maximum of 22,000 and they've been gathering and gathering and they're still at over 80,000. So the tribes the the, the Navajo nation alone has over a hundred thousand horses. Muscular Apaches have 30,000. The Yakima up here in my country in the Warren Springs between those two, there's probably another, they're almost 30,000. And most of these horses are so inbred. The problem with them, you know, the problem is they're so inbred and when when they, animals like that feral animals get inbred it's not the big and strong that survive it's not survive it's survival of the fittest in the climate so these horses are ill-shaped i mean most of them have a leg going every direction from inbreeding but they're also very small so you might top out a full-grown a bigger full-grown horse off the Yakima Indian Reservation is probably going to top out at 700 pounds when it's healthy. So they're very small. So there, there's really no place for them to go. They, you know, they're wild. They got bad legs. They're, they're inbred. They're just not very manageable, and they're small. So the only place, the only place they have to go, is to ship them, and the tribes are going to be very adversely affected i had a a i sent a had to actually kathy mcmorris rogers entered into the congressional record at a hearing last week uh, a five-page letter from the national tribal horse coalition which i've been working with and helping to build since 2008 and that group 
rep, I mean, they're, they're under what's called the IAC, which is the Intertribal Agriculture Council. They're a, a group of that, or a subsidiary of that group. That group actually represents 523 tribes nationwide. So it's not like it's a pumpkin rolling or one, one group just saying something. I mean, these are all things that I work on, like I said, behind the scenes that not a lot of people know about and not a lot of people see. So, well, I admire you for being able to keep track of all these organizations and all these statistics. Uh, it's a fascinating conversation. We could go on for probably another hour uh, talking about what you do and what Western justice needs uh, uh, to have done. But at this point, I want to thank you for spending the time with us. I think it's been it'll be very educational for everybody who listens to our show, whether it's on the brand side or the retail side or the other elements of the industry who participate with WESA and who listen to our show. And I really thank you for taking the time. And with the clarity at which you present these topics, it's very easy for those of us who don't live it every day to understand and grasp. So again, well, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Well, I'm a, I appreciate that greatly. But I, I'm a high school educated Marine, horse trainer, cowboy, whatever you want to call me. That uh, things got to be pretty basic for me to understand them. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I speak, what you I, talk I about them. is not very basic. It's very complicated, yeah. and you manage to keep track of uh, everything you need to keep track of, and you explain it very well. I think our listeners are going to have their eyes opened in terms of the issues. But equally, uh, those who don't know about Western justice uh, can take heart in the fact that there is an organization that can function on their behalf and they desperately need additional support and i hope we're able to generate some of that additional support for you i sure appreciate that and i appreciate you guys having me on the show notes and links from today's show can be found at wisdombywessa.com and of course we'd love to hear feedback from you there's a contact link on that website the Wisdom by Wessa show will be published on the 15th and 30th of every month. You can listen on most of your favorite podcast players, and you can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone. You just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and super easy to use. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Wisdom by Wessa. Wessa, where the industry meets. 